And we'll have the children and the toddlers dismissed to their churches. And as we get started this morning, I'll ask you to turn to the book of Philippians, chapter 1. And, uh, okay, take the long way around there. All right. Philippians, chapter 1. And uh, this morning, what we're going to try to do, this is the last Sunday of 2019. Uh, I don't know if you've really thought about this or not, but uh, this is the end of the first decade of the 21st century. Uh, I mean, there's an awful lot that has changed in this world in the last 10 years. Uh, I mean, the world that we once knew uh, in many ways, it's gone forever. Things have changed. 9-11 happened. And uh, yet, I'll tell you today, uh, I don't know anyone who is sure about anything. Uh, I was looking through some news articles, and uh, Newt Gingrich says, I'm not going to tell you what the future is going to hold. And then he spends a whole uh, thing telling you what the future is going to hold. Uh, I'm not going to depend on... Uh, prophets that aren't written down in the books of the Bible. Amen? How about that? And uh, so this morning I'd like for us to look at the book of Philippians. It was uh, a special church in the life of the Apostle Paul. He was only there uh, a grand total of maybe eight to ten weeks. And yet when he left, there was a church in Philippi. And, and that church was dear to the Apostle Paul. And did not have many of the difficulties. He was 18 months in Corinth. He was three years in Ephesus. And, uh, uh, of course, the Corinthian church was probably the most troubled church that Paul started. And uh, what I'm holding here in my hands are the new Bible reading schedules. All right? Uh, People have asked about those. Uh, this year, instead of giving you a whole calendar with everything as we have done, oh, I guess for the last 12, 15 years, uh, what happens is, or at least uh, what I've been led to believe what happens is we get two or three weeks into it and it's, oh, I'm so far behind, I'll never catch up. And uh, it kind of just uh, makes a nice thing to write notes in, but... Uh, Really, what it's supposed to be is to help you uh, read through your Bible. So we have, uh, at the end of the service, up here on the organ is going to be the Bible reading schedules. They're going to pass these out. You get a new one each month. You have four choices here to start with. Um, If you want to start in the elementary schedule... Uh, that is all of the Bible stories and the book of Proverbs once a month. Uh, that will take you from Genesis to the book of uh, Job, I believe, and then at least through the book of Esther, and then the four Gospels in the book of Acts. That's the Bible stories. That's where we get the stories that we go through and are through the Bible time at, at 1030. And... Uh, if you have never read that much of the Bible in a year, that'd be a good start. The next one is trying to read the Bible at least once. And the book of Psalms twice 
in the book of Proverbs once a month. This is very similar, not quite as heavy as the Bible reading schedule. And then, if you really want to take the challenge, schedule number three is reading the Bible completely through two times in one year. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise hands how many of you have ever done that, uh, but that would be a challenge. Uh, you're not going to get that done in three minutes a day. Uh, maybe about 30 minutes a day, you could read the Bible through twice in a year. Uh, if you want to know your Bible, you've got to, to read it. You've got to spend some time with it. And then uh, I asked Hannah to put this up special. This is the New Testament challenge. Now, what I want is I want everyone in the church to pray about this. You've got 12 months in the year. That doesn't mean you put this aside necessarily, but try to read the New Testament all the way through in 30 days. How could I do that? Well, it's about seven, eight chapters on average a day. So the first day you would read Matthew chapters 1 through 8. The last day, the 31st, you would read Revelation 15 through 22. Now, if you really want to do this challenge, I wouldn't pick the month of February because you only got 28 days or 29 this year. Uh, Two less days than you might otherwise. And what we're going to do is there's a little checkbox by each day. And next uh, uh, February... uh, The last Sunday in February, we'll have the reading schedules out here again for the month of February, the last Sunday in January. And the last Sunday of the month, we'll have the next month's Bible reading schedule there. Now, some of you remember uh, many years ago, we had about a 10-week program in the fall, I believe it was, where we called it Provoking One Another to Good Works. Now... What we're trying to do is the book of of Hebrews tells us, uh, in fact, let's just keep your finger in Philippians. We'll get back there in a minute. But the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, and verse 17, says, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Now, that's talking about the duties of a pastor. As the pastor of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church, God is going to call me into account for every person that passed through these doors, for every member of the church, and I'm going to have to stand before the Lord and give an account for that. Well, uh... I want to do that on purpose. Not that we haven't done in the past, but uh, what we're going to start doing is passing out a little slip on Sunday morning in our Sunday school time and ask you to fill that out. Now, here's what it has. Church attendance. You get a thousand points for each service that you attend. If you walk in five minutes before through the Bible is done, that doesn't count. All right? Um, 
If you're a few minutes late, we understand. But, I mean, let's, let's strive to be there for the whole thing. And if you get all four services, that's through the Bible, the morning worship, prayer meeting, Bible study, you, you can also get a thousand point bonus. That gives you five thousand points for just being in church, a thousand points for visitation, uh, on Saturday, and then we'll have other times planned and worked out, and then your Bible reading schedule. If you do the um, Bible stories, you get 50 points per day and a 150-point bonus if you do it all week, so you can get 500 points. If you do the Bible once in a year, that's a 1,000. If you do the Schedule 2 where you're going to read the Bible twice in a year, you can get up to 2,000 points a week. If you do the New Testament Challenge, you get a 1,000 points a day. And on the end of the month, you get a 10,000-point bonus for getting through the whole New Testament in one month. And, and here's what we're going to do, is we're going to add these things up. And we're not going to compete with each other. We're going to compete with ourselves as a church and see if we can't improve. Now, this first Sunday, next Sunday... Uh, that Sunday is the 6th, so you only have five days. You can't get seven days, so we'll, the first one's going to be a little low. We understand that, but please, please, take advantage of that. The uh, Baptist bread for the next two months is out on the table. Uh, we also have a few of the Global Independent Baptist Times. If you have not received one of those, taken one of those home, you should. Uh, this is an article that every member of our church needs, an uh, addition every member of our church needs to read. And uh, it has a lot of great information there. And also, uh, the tithing records, uh, tithing envelopes for next year. Hannah will be, will have uh, a couple of people here at the organ to give you the Bible reading schedules. And then the next year's envelopes, if you want the record for your uh, giving, uh, then... Uh, see Hannah in the office, and she will give you next year's uh, envelopes. And uh, these are just some things that we want to try to do to encourage each of us to be as faithful as we can. Uh, I think uh, if we were just honest this morning, my hand would go up as everyone else's would. How many of us had a tough time getting through our Bible reading schedules this year? Uh, I think everybody did. And uh, what we're trying to do is not necessarily lessen the load. And we do understand that uh, some people are, are not extremely uh, avid readers. And one thing we do not recommend ever is speed reading your Bible. Uh that, that is not helpful. You need to read carefully. You need to pray. You need to ask God to help you understand and retain what you're reading. The Lord will answer those prayers. Uh, but it takes effort. Uh, I think one of the most solid Bible readers I've ever met is Brother Sam Davison. And uh, it's no wonder why he preaches the way he does. I think he told me he spends about two hours a day reading his Bible. You, you'll get through your Bible multiple times in a year, four or five times reading like that. And that's very careful. And that's not just for the preachers, okay? Uh, it, it needs to be for everybody. Uh, that's what we 
tried to learn from AI this morning, amen, and are through the Bible time. God did not bless a partial effort. He, he wants everyone to be involved. And I want you to turn to the book of Philippians. And I don't know that I've ever tried this before in one sermon, uh, the book of Philippians. But we're, we're going to try to get through the whole book this morning. Of course, we're not going to cover everything here. We're going to have to move at a very quick rate. But Paul is writing a letter. And as I was thinking, the last sermon, Sunday sermon of the year, uh, how in the world can we take this time and, and honor it and use it? And I said, well, you know, if we just went through the whole book of Philippians here, there are some things that we need to learn. And Lord willing, next week or the following Sunday, we'll be announcing uh, the theme for the coming year, and we'll be putting up the new posters and all of those things. And uh, again, each part of that is to try to encourage us. The, this last year's theme was a difficult one. I knew that when I picked it. But I really felt that that was just something that, as a church, we need to remember. It's the faith of that little child that God blesses. It's being followers of God as dear children that he wants us to do. And so as we look at the book of Philippians, Paul starts out by writing unto them. He says, Paul and Timothy is the servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. We look at verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. The first thing I want us to notice that Paul told the Philippians was that what started in the city of Philippi as a church was not the beginning of the church. Jesus had started his church. And Paul had brought that message to the believers. Many of you remember the story of Lydia, the seller of purple. And she was the first convert. And then Paul was thrown into prison. And the second main convert was the jailer, of the, the head of the jail. And with that little nucleus of people that came together, they, they started a church. Now, church is different than a Bible study, than, uh, than just a group of people meeting together. A church has organization. You see, Paul had hope in the continuity or the continuance of the work that was going on in Philippi because it wasn't something Paul had invented. It, it wasn't something that was... Uh, just a good idea. This was ordained by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That this church is going to go forward. And he said, I'm confident that the work which was begun in you is going to continue. And you know, I want to tell you today, we can be confident in some things. God has started a work here. Uh, we no longer can we say we're a baby church. 
where just celebrated, uh, oh boy, now I'm going to forget, uh, no, 26 years, tw- almost 27, um, 26 years uh, uh, of being here in Astoria. We're, we're not a baby church. 27 years, sorry. Uh, I have to do the math. So, we thank the Lord for that. But, guess what? We're not done yet. And Jesus isn't done. And the work of the church is still going forward. And we get down to verse 21, and Paul is talking about some of the opposition that he faces, and he just makes a simple statement here. If this could be your statement of your life, you would do very well. Verse 21, he says, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Uh, the, the world itself ha- has known this, and every uh, uh, political organization, every great military leader ha- has understood this truth. If you don't have something worth dying for, you don't have much worth living for. Now, there are some people that had given their lives in some terrible causes. There are many people who gave their lives so that communism could be propagated through Eastern Europe. That's a, that's a terrible sacrifice of one's life. There are people who fought for slavery, the enslavement of other human beings in the Civil War. I praise God, they lost. They did not win that war here in this country. But we still have many of these things going on all over the world today. Slavery is not dead. Never has been. It will be alive as long as there are human people to oppress other human people. But I will tell you this. For to me to live... For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Skip down to verse 27 with me. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel." And what Paul is doing here through the Philippians, he's talking about the continuing work of God, but he's saying, listen, this is what church is all about. It is not about just one preacher standing up and doing something, or uh, missionaries that we send out, or a few church planners that we have sent out of our church, and those are all good things. But it's every one of us striving together in the faith. You know, if you have something very heavy to carry. Uh, I remember years ago uh, when we bought the building, they had left a piano in here. It was one of those cabinet, uh, it's called a cabinet grand It's got the full-size grand piano harp, but they stand it up on end. And that piano was about this tall and uh, weighed three-quarters of a ton, about 1,500 pounds. I mean, it was 
uh, it was a monster. It was built at the turn of the last century, and and uh, uh, I remember it was down in the basement, and it was a New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve, something like that. We had a few people visiting uh, with us, and and uh, it was really cool because I was the little guy, and these guys were huge. And I, and and it wasn't just weight. I mean, they they had some strength. And and I said, hey, can we take advantage of you guys being here to 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 move this piano? And they said, sure, grab a hold. And I think they were half carrying me and the piano. Uh, uh, that was the easiest moving job I have ever been on. Because, I mean, these big guys, they were there. They just got on all four corners, and I grabbed a hold of the middle and tried to carry something. I wanted to do my part. Uh, but they carried the whole thing. Now, what does the Bible tell us? It says, casting our cares upon him, for he careth for us. It says we're supposed to be yoked with Christ. We're supposed to learn of Him. It says His yoke is easy and His burden is light. Why is it that way? Because Jesus is the one doing the work. Amen? It is His church. And yet He wants us to strive together for the faith of the gospel. We get to have a part. I I hope you will never get over the fact that Jesus has given us an opportunity to serve Him. I don't know how many people over the years have said, Pastor, I don't get it. This thing of salvation is just too easy. All i got to do is believe on Jesus and He saves me. Say, yeah. Well, what am I supposed to do? Uh, Serve Him. Well, how am I supposed to do that if he does all the saving? You miss the entire point. Every false religion takes salvation and puts it as the end zone, as the goal, as the final achievement of religion. That's false religion. True religion starts with salvation. And then the things that I do, I do because Jesus Christ strengthens me. Because He gives me the ability to serve Him. Because He gives me the privilege of serving Him in His church. You see, we can be confident that as Jesus has begun the work, He's going to continue the work. And and I don't know any better way of saying it. Uh, People often ask, was your dad a Baptist preacher? No, my dad was a machinist at Black & Decker. Uh, He made little pieces of metal out of big pieces of metal. And he told me one thing with no uncertain terms. He said, I don't want you being a machinist like me. And so he got two preachers uh, out of his three sons. And so uh, the simple truth here is, We do not have a right to start our own church or to ask Jesus to join our effort when he already started his. That's why as a sophomore in Bible college, I was baptized into a Baptist church. 
and I was ordained in 1989 at the Cleveland Baptist Church, just very much the same way we did Andrew and Franz. Our church ordained them in June of this year, and we praise the Lord. That is striving together for the faith of the gospel. Our message is not new. It's the same message that Jesus preached. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We get to chapter 2, and it says here, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ. Now, why is he saying consolation? Well, if you read verse 29, For unto you of chapter 1, verse 29, For unto you it is given in behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake having the same conflict which he saw in me and now here to be in me, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What was that mind? He had a service to do. He had a path of obedience to the Father in heaven. Uh, He was the fulfillment of all the prophecies. We're just finishing the Christmas season. The beginning of those was the birth in Bethlehem. How many prophecies did Jesus fulfill in his birth and in his life and in his death and in his resurrection? And in his church, even to this day. I I don't know how else to say this. Sell it. Where'd that come from? Uh, How else to say this? It's not about you. This is the problem with this quote-unquote quasi-new religion, the purpose-driven movement there. It's all about you. The church becomes a service bureau to to meet your needs and to promote your inner desires and talking about God put them there. No, God did not put what's in your heart in your heart. You did. We set our affections. Now, don't raise your hands, but how many of you set your affections on something that you didn't get for Christmas? And when nobody's watching, you're going to go get it. I mean, we joke about those things, but 
We set our affection on what we like. And we usually find a way to get what we want. Now, don't we? If normal financing doesn't work, Visa and MasterCard are always willing to help out. Are they not? Uh, and uh, as we stop and we think about it, it says the mind of Christ. He humbled himself. He became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. And God has highly exalted him and lifted him up. And he is our example if we would just stop trying to satisfy ourselves and live our own lives and live the life that Jesus has planned for us, there we would find the joy and the satisfaction and the meaning and the purpose of life that everybody's searching for. As we go down through this chapter, we are introduced to Timothy and Epaphroditus. These are two living examples of what Paul is telling us and trying to teach the Philippian church here. And he talks about Timothy. He says, I have no man that is like-minded. I don't have anybody that's going to take care of you better than I would except Timothy. And I'm sending him. And then he talked about Epaphroditus who was actually a member of the church at Philippi. And he had traveled to Rome to minister to the Apostle Paul and bring an offering that he's going to talk about at the end of the book. And and when he saw the need that was there, Epaphroditus said, I'm just going to get a job and I'm going to give everything I have. And the Bible says that Epaphroditus almost worked himself to death just trying to give the Apostle Paul the things that he needed. He was living in a prison in Rome. He was under house arrest. He could not go out and even purchase his groceries. People had to do those things and bring them in. Uh, it, was a, it was a very uh, difficult time for Paul, and yet we've, we've already skipped over this in chapter 1. Paul says this suffering has actually worked out to the furtherance of the gospel God knows what he's doing. God's not playing games. Even though I'm in prison, I'm still serving God. And we get to chapter 3. And uh, in my office, I have a Bible page that was actually printed. The first edition, King James Bibles, in the year 1611. It's 408 years old. And uh, that page is Philippians chapter 3 and 4. And about this time of year, as we contemplate the new year, I'm always drawn to Philippians chapter 3. It is just one of those pivotal passages in the Bible. And yet, as Paul starts Philippians chapter 3, he says, I want you to beware. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you, it is safe. And he says, I want you to beware of the dogs. Now, what does he mean? He's not talking about literal dogs that run the street and eat the garbage. He's talking about people. Well, what kind of people would be classified like this? It's people who only care about themselves. 
How many of you have driven the wonderful streets and highways of New York City? Uh, You've met some dogs, I promise you. Uh, Me first, that's the rule. And they don't care about endangering anyone else's life or those around them just so they can drive at whatever speed they think is necessary. It's, It's insanity. Hey, you have to be careful of people like that. Of evil workers. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time defining that. There are people who live in every city whose main goal is to involve as many people as possible in evil work. They function as nightclub owners and bartenders and drug dealers and other types of iniquity and sin, purveyors of filth and garbage that are out there. These are people that want to invite you in and want you to participate in sin. Uh, We've had this big deal. People finally woke up this vaping thing because some people have actually died because of uh, complications from and and the destruction of lung tissue from those things. Uh, Can I ask you a question? How many of you actually thought that there's nothing wrong with that, that this is a perfectly safe and good alternative? I mean, do we have anybody like that here? Uh, If we do, and you're ashamed to admit it, see me afterwards. We'll sign you up for counseling. We'll try to help you all we can. But I don't think there's a person here with any sense at all that didn't know from the very beginning that this was just another invitation to the destruction of yourself. Evil workers, they're everywhere. But then he tells us to beware of the concision. And that word concision means the cutters. Now, what was Paul talking about? He was primarily referring to the people of the Jewish faith who were interested only in the physical things of their faith. You see, there are many religions out there, and these religions are only concerned with things that you can do with your hands, things that you can participate in, rituals that you can involve yourself in. The entire scope of their faith never transcends the realm of the physical. I, I like to call it checklist Christianity. How many of you remember... Well, if I go to confession and show up for Mass uh, once a week, I'm good. I'm really good. Maybe I'll get killed on the way home from confession. Then I go straight to heaven because all my sins are forgiven. That's a Catholic joke. That's not very funny to me. Because you don't joke about eternity. You see... I am ready to face the Lord because Jesus forgave me for all of my sins the moment he saved me. I've met people who believe you can lose your salvation. And I've often tried to help them understand and reason with them. You see, either Jesus saves you or you are saving you. I remember one particular 
lady I worked with her at the nursing home. I was a student in Bible college. And, and I said, let me just give you this story. I said, let, let's just pretend that I was in a really uh, devilish mood and I got you upset at me because I had done some wrong things. And uh, I, I said, and you were angry at me. And instead of saying, I'm sorry... I said some very inflammatory things and really got you upset, so upset that you decided to leave work to get away from me. And you got in your car, and because you were upset, you were driving at a high rate of speed and went through a stoplight and went into eternity because you didn't see an oncoming car. I said, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? And she looked at me and said, I didn't have a chance to confess my sins. I would go to hell. I said, do you see and understand something here? Who is doing the saving? Jesus or you? You see, that's the concision. Their religion is only in the realm of the physical. Their religion, their relationship with God only concerns things that they can do. But there are other things that we need to beware. Look at verse 4. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh. We, we need to be very careful about having confidence in ourselves and in our flesh. The Bible says we need to beware of that. That's in this same list of things as the dogs and the evil workers and the concision. We need to look in the mirror and we need to make sure I'm not relying on me. To get through this thing. And what's the last thing? We come here to verse 7. He said, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. You know, there are things that we can gain even in the service of the Lord. That if we're not careful, if we're not watching, if we're not being aware of these things. They will distract our service. We will think that we have arrived, that we have reached a level of service for Christ. Paul said, listen, verse, verse 12, I mean verse 13, uh, let's read 12 and 13, I'm sorry. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. If you want to know one of the reasons why we're doing the Bible reading schedules this way, is because we want some people to press toward that mark. We want to give you something you can measure. And I'm not going to check. There's a place on this. You can write your name if you want. But you don't have to write your name to get the points counted toward our church total here. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to find a way to realize that we're not doing as well as we could be. We're not putting forth the effort oftentimes that we should be putting forth. 
Reading the Bible once in a year. You know, many people never read the Bible once in a lifetime. I don't understand that. How do you claim to love the Savior and never read His words? Uh, that doesn't make sense. How, how do we say we love Jesus and we ignore the church? How, how do we do those things? How do we say, I'm surrendered to Jesus, but I'm not going to do what you say, preacher? Listen, we've got to understand something here. We've got to take those things which are behind and put them down. Each day is a new day. There's not a one of us that could not use some serious improvement in our relationship with God. Would you say amen or owe me to that? And we're going to try. We're going to try this year to, to work on that. And if we get confident about what we've done, we've lost it all. We're striving to know Jesus better. What did Paul say in verse 9? I believe it is verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. But we get down to verse 17 here. It says, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. And he goes on to say that there are many who walk contrary to the Word of God. The Bible says we need to, we need to mark them. We need to take notice. If you know, want to know why I mentioned Joel Olstein and, and Benny Hinn and these guys, is because I want you to take notice that those men do not propagate the truth of the Word of God. They are not teaching what the Bible says. The purpose-driven life, as nice as it sounds, is much more Buddhist than it is Bible. And if you're not going to be aware of these things, you're going to be taken into them. We, we live in dark days. The Bible tells us that men are going to wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And if that doesn't describe today's headlines, I don't know what does. Uh, we, we live in a dark world. Last night, uh, what was it, about 11.30 or 12 o'clock in the morning, I got a, a text from a preacher friend. In fact, it was Brother Brown uh, texting me about a stabbing at a synagogue up in Muncie there and saying, this is a Jewish synagogue. You need to pay attention. You meet in a synagogue. He was concerned for us. I'll tell you the best way that we can deal with all kinds of things. Look at verse chapter 4. We're almost done. Therefore, my brethren, did dearly be loved and long for my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Look what it says here. I beseech, verse 2, I beseech Eodius and I beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers who are in the book of life. You know what Paul said? 
He said, first and foremost, if you want the rejoicing and the blessings of God, if you want this to happen, you've got to get along with other believers in Christ. You're not an island to yourself. There's a fellowship of believers in the church. The Bible says we're members one of another. We need to pray for one another. In fact, tonight is the fifth Sunday at our prayer meeting tonight. That's what our prayer list is going to be about is families in the church. And we need to be here to pray one for another. Look at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. How many of you know that Sunday school song we sing? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, I won't trouble you with any more. But we'll keep moving here. Verse 6, be careful for nothing but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Look at verse 8, finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, when's the last time you thought about something that met those qualifications? I I find myself being constantly bombarded, bombarded by information and news and happenings that don't meet these qualifications. I'll tell you what. Get out your daily Bible reading schedule. The Bible meets these qualifications. Amen? It will fix our mind. It will help us to understand how we are to stand fast. And then he spends the last part of this verse, from uh, this chapter from verse 10 right down to the salutation, the closing verses, talking about giving. You know, you want to be involved. Here's what the Bible says. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Uh, I don't think it's a secret here that I uh, love Baptist Bible College in Oklahoma City. And, and I work and I strive for that college. And I call other churches for the May offering and ask them to help us. And, and, and there's, there's a reason I like Heartland. I've got a lot of treasure there. Uh, I have eight children... Let's see, two son-in-laws that graduated there, several other people in our church that have gone to school there, that have had a part in our ministry, Brother Newberger and his wife. I mean, I get uh, Carolina went there, uh, uh, Jason and Anita. Uh, we have a lot of a lot of good things that have happened, and, and I want us to be a part of training young people. I, I can't. Think of any place I could travel in this country and not meet somebody or know of somebody in the area from Heartland. Oh, oh Brother Montoro, how are you? I, I like that. Why we invest in missions? Because the Bible says so. But I'll tell you what, our church has put a great deal of treasure into missions. Uh, I don't know what the total is right now. I think we're working on a, 
at least one um, a million and a quarter dollars that our church has invested in the missions, both home and worldwide. It's taken us 27 years to do it, but uh, that's still a pretty good investment, wouldn't you say? I, I want my treasure to be in heaven, not on Wall Street. You see, this verse where I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, Paul is writing the Philippians and he said, listen, you are the people of Macedonia that he's talking about in, in, uh, in the book of Corinthians that first gave of your own selves out of your poverty and God did exceeding great things. And he said, you have given and when you give what you can to God, God gives what he can to you. Now, listen, we don't ever give to God to get. He's not a slot machine. But when we give out of honest worship to God, I will tell you that we have never lacked what we needed to serve the Lord. Whether it was a $150,000 building payment or money to buy supplies for the building, all the... Uh, necessary things, the mops and the rags and the uh, paper towels and all that kind of light bulbs and all of those things. Uh, you know, you stop and think there's 128 light bulbs in this auditorium, not counting the ones up here in the platform. Uh, that's a lot of stuff. And they're all LED. When we looked them up, they were 10 bucks a piece. Now stop and think about that for a minute. I said, Andrew, I think we can do better than that. And I, I, I just turned him loose and he called the company, got right into the guy and he says, oh, if you'll come down and pick them up, we can sell them to you for about four bucks a piece. Yes, we'll do that. Uh, God provides. He allows us to do extraordinary things as a church. When we do things His way. He gives us the peace that passes all understanding. The word rejoice in its various forms is found 12 times in this little book called Philippians. I never ask the question. I don't get a positive answer to this. How many of us could use a little more joy in our lives? Everybody can. You never have enough of that. Never have too much joy. Well, how do you get it? Well, how about we start by becoming part of the work that Jesus has already started. Then we can have that confidence that He's going to continue it. As Paul said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. There's something bigger than me. It's something bigger than you. It's something bigger than Open Door Bible Baptist Church. And yet we get to have a part. And the consolation, even in the suffering and the difficult times, is the mind of Christ. That it's not about me personally, it's about Jesus. And He will carry us through, and He has all these years. But there's this laying aside those things that are behind pressing toward that mark, trying to get a hold of that which already has a hold of us. I love that picture. 
Because God gives you and I something to do. There's room for improvement. There's room for growing in God. And we get down to chapter 4 here. And I can calm the turmoil in my mind by the Word of God. By praying. By letting God handle this thing. And God gives me a part in His service through giving and a promise that He's going to take care of these things. Now, we've just skimmed the surface. We got the whole way through and it's not one o'clock yet. Those of you that have been around here very long know that's a slight miracle in and of itself. Amen? But, let me ask you a question. Where do you find yourself in Philippians? Do you have the confidence of God's will? Are you doing what the Bible says? Do you have that comfort and direction that comes from the mind of Christ? Do you understand the work of God? I mean, we've got to beware of certain things. We have to mark those that are teaching false uh, truths and uh, there's no such thing as a false truth except in politics, I guess. Uh, but uh, we have many that are teaching lies today and calling it truth, do we not? The Bible says we need to mark them. But we need to be following Christ. And then we can have that comfort and that joy in serving Jesus. You know, we've got a new year. If you're reading your Baptist bread last night, it said, I don't make New New Year's resolutions. I make commitments. I'm going, okay. Most of us need to stop making resolutions and commitments and other things and just say, let me follow God's Word today. Then when you get up tomorrow... You see, tomorrow has this really weird thing that does. It becomes today when it gets here. And you say, Lord, give me the grace to follow you today. And when the next tomorrow gets here, it turns into today. And you can do the same thing until Jesus comes. Amen? It's not a complicated thing. You don't have to be super smart to believe the Bible. All you have to do is follow Jesus. Amen? Let's pray.